This time on Geek Pod Blue. Thank you for calling. Re- oh, oh, wait, wait. I'm on break. I don't need to do that. What am I doing? Oh, yeah. My log has a message for you. Warning. Station is now on code blue. <laughs> Welcome to this edition of Geek Pod Blue. I'm your host, Hugh, and I'd rather be playing Morrowind, but it's still downloading. Anyway, since I'm irritated about that, it seems like a good time to talk about something that I've been wanting to bring up for a few weeks. Uh, two weeks, actually. And uh, what that is, is I want to talk about Twin Peaks The Return, uh, because uh, the, this show has gotten under my skin. I am quite irritated, and I just kind of want to talk to somebody about why. Now, if you are not familiar with Twin Peaks, uh, Twin Peaks was a show, I believe, on ABC years ago, uh, created and directed by David Lynch. And David Lynch is, you know, a a director known for the surreal. Uh, many movies have, he's done have been just uh, lots of crazy scenes. Things don't make sense, but they call it art. They call it surreal. Uh, if you remember back in your college days, if you were really high and you saw a black and white film with a guy whose hair was shaped like a penis, that was a racer head, and that was David Lynch. Uh, he's a pretty crazy guy, but, you know, a lot of people think that he is uh, groundbreaking and he is uh, ahead of the rest of us. And back in uh, the 90s, was it 90s now? Good Lord, I'm old. Uh, he created a show called Twin Peaks, and it was about this sleepy, quiet, wooded town where there had been a murder that happened. And everyone wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer. So an FBI agent by the name of uh, uh, Agent Cooper came to town and started investigating this. Now, what happened was there was a lot of very surreal and strange things that went on in that town. Uh, The first thing that was strange, first of all, was the acting. And there is something known as the David Lynch acting style. It, It basically involves pausing too long between the next thing you say, staring at things too long, acting very wooden, very stilted. It's it's very strange to watch. And back then, this was not something we'd seen. And it certainly, it made you uncomfortable to watch these characters go through these scenes. They, you know, felt uncomfortable themselves. And it was just the style he was looking for to keep the audience on the edge of their seat, to keep you in a constant state of unease while you're watching the story unfold. Now, if you think about that time, the uh, late 80s, early 90s, our tastes were not that well refined, and that's certainly been talked about uh, in the past, as how, you know, now people speak the way people actually speak, whereas back then, people didn't really do that. Actors and shows talked a specific way. I don't know if they called it the TV way or had a word for it, but it wasn't how me and my friends talked. And, you know, I couldn't tell you if maybe it's always been like this, but back in the days of... Uh, uh, what is it, Woodbury, um, you know, Andy Griffith and all that, uh, all that stuff, actually something that's too old for me, believe it or not, there are still some things out there. I'm sure that the, the people on those shows didn't talk like that. Good example, leave it to Beaver, okay? Uh, do I think my grandfather talked to my dad like, you know, the Beaver and his dad talked to each other? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, in the, the late 90s, uh, mid and late 90s, we had, you know, Joss Whedon come along and changed the way characters talked on TV shows and, and showed that it was okay 
for people in media to speak the same way that people in real life do. Uh, I'm not sure why there was a disconnect there. Uh, it certainly feels like it should have always been like that. But just look at the cop shows from the 80s uh, and look at the way pe the cop shows now. And now you can believe something like that is happening you know, in a, a police station in your neighborhood or a lawyer's office in your neighborhood. But uh, back then, everything was just a little strange. Anyway, uh, David Lynch took that and really turned it on its head because he had characters that felt like they were, they just learned their lines and they were they were speaking these lines and the whole thing was uncomfortable. They then went into, there was a, a demon named Bob who possessed people and all sorts of crazy stuff. But what the show was really known for was throwing bizarro stuff at you that didn't always make sense. But because we'd never seen anything like that before, it was fun and refreshing and vibrant and new. Now, things have changed a lot in the past 24 years, and I have the distinct impression that David Lynch has not grown or learned anything in these past 25 years, and I feel like it really shows. Now, I don't want this to come across as me hating David Lynch because I have no personal problem with the guy, and I, I've enjoyed some of the things he's done, but I was really excited for this, uh, this return, this revival of Twin Peaks, and... After finally having a chance to watch the first four episodes, I feel like it falls flat on its face, and I'm going to explain that right now. I, first of all, there there is the acting. It is really bad, and while I understand that this is the David Lynch style of acting, a lot has changed in 24 or 25 years. We now know how to have surreal but also have good acting. And if you need any examples of those, trust me, I have them preloaded right now. If you want to know a good way to do surreal right, just look at American Gods on Stars. Um, stars or Showtime? I think it's Stars. Uh, amazing, amazing show. Absolutely surreal. And even when you don't understand exactly what's going on, what's there is gripping and interesting enough that you want to keep watching it. An even better example of that would be FX Legion, which was, you know, my favorite show from last season. Uh, Legion was amazing, and I spent the first half of the season legitimately not understanding what the fuck was going on. I had no idea what the show was even about. But the characters were compelling, the acting was top-notch, everything was perfect, and I was pushed forward each week to want to find out more. And that just shows that you can do surreal while still maintaining the sensibilities that we have currently in the year 2017. Now, I know what you're saying, but that's not what David Lynch is about. Well, yeah, I get that, but we've changed in 25 years. He should have changed in 25 years because you know how that comes off? It comes off as bad acting. It comes off as if the actors that are returning from you know years ago, like they haven't learned a single thing in 25 years. I'm watching this, and I'm watching these people talk, and I'm just like, wow, this is horrible. This is like you know, the worst B-movie I've ever saw. You know, like a movie shot with a handheld video camera. Not a movie camera, a video camera. And all of the acting's bad, and the scenes uh, are never quite right. The sound isn't good. There are situations where the camera pulls back so far that, uh, in fact, a good example, in the, the first episode, there was a scene with this, the very first scene, I believe, of the show. This guy has uh, some shovels delivered. <clears throat> I don't know what the fuck that's about. Uh, three episodes later, we see him spray-painting those shovels, but that's it. First scene of the show, guy gets shovels delivered. Then three episodes later, he's spray-painting them. Whatever. Uh, but there's a point where they, they pull back from the delivery man and the guy, and it, it's like back into the bushes because they're in the woods, and you can see you know between these two trees, and it looks like one of those scenes when there's something stalking people in the woods, and that's 
immediately what it evoked when I first saw it, but then it didn't move around. And then suddenly I realized, nope, this is just the camera angle they chose. Far enough away so you can barely hear what they're saying. You can't really see anything. Wow, did they only have one camera while filming this? It just seemed like a very amateurish thing to do. Uh, And there were other examples of that as well, of uh, strange choices, like things lingering too long, not just the people's faces when they're looking at something. There was a situation in the first episode where this one character spends about 15 minutes staring at an empty glass box, in two parts, mind you. And you're sitting there watching, and he's just staring at it, and then it cuts back to him, and then to the glass box. And maybe I'm fudging the numbers when I say 15 minutes total, but if somebody actually timed that, (laughs) I might be dead on. It really was that long. And here's the thing. The first time, uh, maybe they're building up to something, but man, they're they're making it awfully boring. And that's not a good way to start off a brand new show, especially if you want to pull in new viewers. Because, I mean, 25 years old, there are complete adults. There are people that have been born and are now full adults, maybe with their own young kids who could be watching the show, who have not seen Twin Peaks. That's entirely possible. And mind you, this is, the person watching this box is not a character from the original show. He's not in a scene or setting from the original show. This is brand new, okay? Brand new character. Have no idea anything about him except that he can't fucking act. And he's staring at a glass box. And then a girl interrupts him, you know, oh, I brought us coffee in one of the most badly acted scenes I've ever seen on television. And then we go about seeing other scenes that aren't connected and make no sense. And then eventually it comes back to him. And he's staring at the box again for far too long. If I did the podcast like this, you guys would stop listening, if you are at all. And then she brings some coffee again, and then they both stare at the box for a little while. Now, granted, this is uh, finally capped off with the only maybe scary moment in the entire show so far, uh, but it was so bad. I mean, I really, by the time that happened, I didn't really give a fuck. Uh, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't care less because I'd wasted so much time staring at a goddamn glass box. Uh, made no sense. Uh, we're talking about, you know, bad acting. We're talking about bad cinematography. We're talking bad lighting, even. Uh, In a lot of places, it looks like they ran out of lighting budget. One in particular that struck me is when the log lady returns. Now, if if you've watched Twin Peaks, you know there's a lady who has a log that talks to her, and the log is usually right. Uh, I'm not sure they really explained that in the original show, and you know, they didn't really have to in in this this new one, except in the first episode. She calls up the uh, one of the sheriffs and tells him that her log has a message for him. And Three episodes later, he casually throws out, oh, well, her log had a message and you know it's usually right or something to that effect. But for people who are just watching the show uh, for the first time, that would be confusing. You know what makes it even more confusing? The lighting in that scene where she's talking on the phone, which is a static camera angle, it never moves. The lighting to the left of her is so dark that you can't even tell she's holding the log. It was the second time she showed up and I'm like, oh, oh, well, yeah, maybe that's a log there. But that's not making people work for it. That's just not noticing that you lit the scene wrong. I mean, that that's horrible. That's amateurish. And I'm sad that something that, that I loved is, is getting ruined like this. And I just can't imagine that David Lynch is that bad, bad of a filmmaker these days. What it does feel like to me is that maybe when they had all their shots done and they went to sit down and talk about it, they were like, okay, time to edit this. And he said, what? Edit? I edit in my head while I'm filming because I swear to God, nothing ended up on the cutting room floor. He used every single piece of celluloid he uh, shot on this film or uh, this TV show, every single piece, 
all of those too long stairs, all of the stuff that doesn't make sense. I think he used it all. Um, especially, you know, I mean, wouldn't you direct people to not, you know, just, just seem like, like bad, bad actors? I know this is supposed to be a small town, and they're quirky, and they're weird, and small town people sometimes talk weird like small town people, but there are good examples of that, you know, out there. There's Fargo. Uh, there's IFC Stand Against Evil that definitely, that's a great show, and the people in that town are about as quirky as quirk can be. Uh, it, but it works because you look at them and that you care about them. When I'm watching all of these small town people stand in a room talking to each other, everybody looks uncomfortable to be there as an actor and a human being, not even the character. They just look like they're, they're like, man, I cannot believe I signed up to do this again, and it's still this bad. Um, Storyline so far, uh, awfully confusing, again, uh, to be expected, but that's a little bit more forgivable because this is 18 episodes. I don't expect everything to make sense out of the gate, but I, I do I do want to feel compelled to watch the next episode, which so far I'm not. Um, we have seen three different versions of Agent Cooper, none of them being the one that we're familiar with. There's the original one who was stuck in the Black Lodge for the past 25 years, and while he could be, you know, normal, typical Agent Cooper, because he's in the Black Lodge, he spends most of his time staring at people talking backwards and then staring some more and asking a three-word question and not getting an answer. Or maybe he's looking at a tree that thinks it's an arm. I, you just have to watch. It's ridiculous. Talking tree that thinks it's an arm. So really not a whole lot of, you know, character going on there. Just strange person talking backwards gets up long, long shot of him walking to another room. There's another person who talks backwards. Then you have his doppelganger, who is out in the real world, who is probably the most interesting character on the show uh, so far, just because he's actually developed. Um, then you have, apparently, the clone the doppelganger might have made. I don't know, but there's another person played by the same actor, uh, who's completely different, has no idea what any of this is, and he, when Agent Cooper gets out of the Black Lodge, he vanishes and Agent Cooper takes his place. However, this Agent Cooper is now a baby. Um, not literally, he's a full-sized man, but he has the mind of a baby. He can only say about the last three words he just heard somebody say to him and has no idea how anything works. Now, that's really strange. Again, bringing back a show 25 years later, your main character, we're now four episodes in. Mind you, the fifth one did, did premiere Sunday night, and I have not had the chance to watch it. But four episodes in, he's been there since the very beginning of this this new show, and I have not seen a character that I recognize as Agent Cooper yet. Uh, a few other odd choices. Uh, there was a scene where the uh, FBI director uh, is going to be going out because they've captured the doppelganger and they, they think it's Agent Cooper. Whatever. Uh, he goes to talk to the head of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and it turns out that it is David Duchovny in drag, which when he first came into the scene, I was like, holy crap, that's David Duchovny. They didn't even try to make him look like a woman. In fact, it looks like they made him wider than he actually is in real life. Um, clearly a man dressed up like a woman. Now, that was kind of funny. It was quirky. I liked it, and I would have been sold on that bit as him and the FBI director have a, a conversation until the FBI director, or the FBI, the guy in charge, not, not the lady, the guy who's in charge of the agents goes... Now, you remember, when you made the transition from Dennis to Denise, I supported you. And I'm like, oh, they had to call it out. They had to make it a point. They had to point out that this is a, a, a transgendered uh, person. I felt like that, first of all, totally defeated the point of showing it there, because clearly David Lynch thinks that, you know, transgendered people are funny somehow. Um, and we should, you know, laugh at them. 
Uh, also, any goodwill that I had over actually attempting to pull off a scene like that was completely deflated. Uh, had they not brought that up, I would have thought that was interesting. I would have wanted to know more about the character, but it was clearly just a gag. Just a gag to get a joke. Uh, I'm really honestly surprised that there aren't activist groups, you know, calling this out. I mean, I'm not one of those people who usually gets offended that much. You know, I'm usually the one saying, hey, stop being so offended. We're all human and, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Uh, but yeah, that really bothered me because here's an example of uh, a groundbreaking show doing something completely out of left field and then making a gag out of it. I, there was no point in doing that. You know, it would have been just as funny if he had been the FBI director because of his, uh, his connection with X-Files. Anyway, that really left a bad taste in my mouth. I thought it was a very, very poor choice. Um, there are some other cameos. Uh, there's one, I don't remember what the kid's name is. Uh, some young actor who's in all of those trendy movies has a long monologue while sitting on a motorcycle about cruising around the United States. And I'm just like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? Oh, that's right. Absolutely nothing because, you know, David Lynch does not know how to do surreal in 2017. Uh, anyway, yeah, as you can tell, I'm I'm pretty salty about this. Uh, this has really irritated me because now I have to spend another, what, it's 18 episodes long, so 14 episodes of this I have to endure only for nostalgia's sake. You know, I'm not going to stop watching it uh, just because it's irritating me right now, but I, I have a feeling that at the end of this, I, I'm going to still be very pissed off. Interesting note, first five minutes of the show, I wanted to stop it. You know, and the reason being, I was like, oh, my wife is going to hate this. I wasn't sure if they were going to introduce things in a way that new viewers could catch on. But five minutes in, I'm like, we should stop this. My wife, who's usually the one who doesn't want to watch my crappy movies, goes, well, it's only been five minutes. Give it a chance. An hour and 20 minutes later, she almost had the same reaction she did to watching Kevin Smith's Tusk. Uh, it was more along the lines of, I cannot believe we just wasted an entire evening watching this crap. And I couldn't agree with her more. I mean, with... You know, dialogue like, it's not about the bunny. Is it about the bunny? I, I'm really... The, the only only thing I've seen in this entire show that I thought was intelligent, witty dialogue was, I'm going to have a word with my pine cone. I'm going to step off my soapbox now. Okay, I need to decompress from that uh, little bit of uh, anger, so I think we're going to talk about the news. Now I have to figure out uh, exactly where I put my news. Now hold on a second... Where was that? Okay, officials refused to answer questions on Russia probe. That's fake news. About this one. Downsizing the EPA. As long as we have Doritos and Mountain Dew, who cares? Oh, there it is. Okay, news for GeekPod Blue. Uh, first up, this is kind of a kind of an interesting story. I, I find kind of surprising, and actually, this irritates me a little bit too. Uh, it was revealed this week that David Harbour, who we've talked about in the past, he is uh, going to be playing Hellboy in the reboot of Hellboy, and also uh, plays the sheriff in uh, Netflix Stranger Things, uh, tried out to be the Blob in one of the X-Men movies. Now, surprisingly enough, he was turned down for that uh, that particular job because he was too fat. Now, let that sink in for a second. He's playing the Blob, a very fat character, and he was turned down for being too fat. Now, maybe it has something to do with the fact that during the audition, he lifted up his shirt, grabbed his belly, and jiggled it, and said, I've got your Blob right here. Uh, that certainly might have turned them off, but the reason that they turned him down was because they were concerned about his health. Now, 
I'd like to step back for a second here. We've talked about how Hollywood has an unhealthy obsession with, you know, ripped bodies. And, and not everybody looks like Chris. You know, there's the, the four Chris's, you know, the play superheroes. Chris Hem Hemsworth, uh, Chris Evans. Uh, there's Chris What's-His-Face that is Star-Lord. Uh, and there's another one out there as well. Uh, and these guys, you know, they're in great shape. They're young. And that's, that's perfect. That's fine. And when they want a leading man, I understand them not wanting to cast somebody who's overweight. However... When you're actually expecting your guy that's going to be playing a fat guy to have the same kind of body, a guy that's going to be in a giant suit, and you don't hire him because you're worried about his health, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, there's always been a body issue with Hollywood when it comes to women, but now that seems to be crossing over into men as well. And I don't know if you've seen David Harbour, but yeah, he's not a small guy, but he's not fat anyway. He's normal. He's dad bod. He's an average guy. He's the kind of guy when he goes over to his friend's house and they say, hey, you want a beer? He doesn't pull out his phone, look up my fitness pal, and do some calculations. And my friends, if you were doing that, you were living life wrong. You're going to wake up someday, you're going to be hollow, empty, and skinny, and you're you're going to put on your gravestone, I wish I'd eaten and drank the shit I wanted to. Um, David Harbour is not an unhealthy weight at all. Could he be a little skinnier? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, could he be, a, would he need to be a lot fatter to be considered um, overweight? I, I think so, especially considering he is a hellboy-sized guy. He's not a, a short man uh, by any stretch of the word. That's just absolute bullcrap, in my opinion. Um, next up, uh, very, very surprised to find out that Patty Jenkins is not signed already to direct Wonder Woman 2. Um, this certainly shows another double standard going on in Hollywood. Now, uh, Wonder Woman has, again, been getting rave reviews. It's killing at the box office, and they're calling it the film that saved the DC Cinematic Universe. And uh, from what I'm told, because I still haven't had the chance to see it, um, that praise is definitely warranted. Now... You look at Snyder, who's signed on to direct who knows how many films for these guys. You've got David Ayer, who even after you know Suicide Squad was a critical failure, even though it was popular and it did make a lot of money, uh, critically it did not do well. But you know he was uh, signed on to make another movie as well, um, Gotham City Sirens, I believe. Uh, I cannot understand why on earth they would not have signed Patty Jenkins, at least to something where, you know, if the film does well, you know, you're signed on for, you know, two more films, should we choose to have you for X amount of money? Um, that's sexist. The first female superhero movie ends up and clobbers her competition, and they didn't bother to sign the director, the, the highest grossing female director now, box office opening director, Patty Jenkins, for a second film before the first film came out. Basically, they were going, eh, I don't know if this chick thing's going to work out. Let's wait and see before we offer her a, a job. I certainly hope that uh, when they come to the table with her now, she says, hold my beer, goes and gets a truck, backs it up to the Warner Brothers uh, studio door, opens up the tailgate and says, fill it with money. I've got three more just like this because, damn it, she deserves it. Um, not just because she did a great job, but because... They're, they just shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. That's shady, it's sexist, and this is 2017. Come on now. Apparently, Sony is going to be offering clean versions uh, of some of their films as digital extras with purchase, um, probably because religion and because maybe they're looking at the, the political landscape of this country, and if we do end up going backwards into fundamentalism, there may be a lot of people that want clean versions of movies. Now, some of the people that are involved with these movies are not happy about that. Now, Seth Rogen was quoted as saying, holy shit, please don't do this to our movies. Now, none of his movies are currently on the list of 24 
they are, are currently offering. However, we have been told that the directors and some of the people involved with these movies are being invited to take part in the editing. So basically, they're not um, not like that one company that made a, a living going in and chopping up movies and sanitizing them, um, you know, for, for the church people. They're just saying, hey, we want to make clean versions that can be shown on airplanes and on TV and things like that. You know, if they're going to have the actual people who made the films involved, artistically, I guess that's sort of okay, but I have to think that there's R-rated movies out there that no matter how much you sanitize it, I mean, removing bad words does not take away um, evil intent. Just because I don't say the F word does not mean I don't say something horribly nasty and filthy that can destroy a child's mind. And I think maybe this isn't quite the right way to go about this. But that's just my opinion. Your mileage may vary. Uh, finally, Magic the Gathering is uh, having a role-playing video game made of their property. It's going to be handled by Cryptic Studios and another company called Perfect World. Now, if I remember correctly, I believe Perfect and World and Cryptic also handle uh, Star Trek Online. So... Well, there's not a whole lot of details about this uh, at the moment. I am wondering if this is going to be some kind of persistent MMO or MMORG, if I got that right, or MORG. It's a MORG. Uh, but, you know, something along the lines of World of Warcraft or Elder Scrolls Online, uh, basically with a Magic the Gathering coat of paint slapped on top. Uh, it will certainly uh, be interesting to see uh, if it is a morgue. Uh, that's a pretty crowded field these days. And while I don't ever want to say there's not enough room for another property, uh, well, there's kind of not enough room for another property. I mean, at least having the magic uh, license will certainly help. That will draw people to it. Even I might check it out. But uh, people tend to be very loyal to their morgues. And, uh, I mean, i got to tell you, I, I don't think I'll step away from Elder Scrolls Online until the server's shut down. So, uh, we guess we'll just have to wait and see. And that's going to cover the news for this week. What's that sound? That's the sound of the Geek Pop Blue Mailbox. And this is going to be something we're going to try this week, and maybe it's going to be a regular segment from now on. Uh, but I reached out in the Twitter sphere and the Facebooks and all those social media things, asking people to send me questions. Questions about anything. Now, I know the first thing people thought, you know, questions about what's going on in geek culture. But I'm not going to limit it to just that. I'm going to allow you to ask any questions you want. No matter what they are, I will answer them. And... I'm going to do it sight unseen. So I've received several emails this week from several different people. I'm going to open them in order. And I'm going to, right here on the spur of the moment, try to answer your questions. Now let me get myself settled here. That's the sound of my studio chair squeaking. So we're going to start off. I wasn't sure if I wanted to actually name the people. Uh, some people asked not to be named. So I think for now we're just going to go into the questions and we'll see what happens okay so first up taking forever to load here thank you gmail uh first question uh big fan love the show my question is do you think scooby-doo and supernatural are really going to cross over and what are your thoughts on that well i i think that uh, to answer the first part of that question they definitely are going to cross over because that has been announced this is not in the realm of possibility this is actually going to happen now uh, should they? Uh, you know, that's funny, because if any other show was doing something this wild and outrageous, I would say no, and it would be silly. Supernatural has a very special place in, in the pantheon of TV shows, because very few shows have managed to go this long while maintaining such a core, solid audience. Uh, I mean, if you look at their numbers, they're pretty much the same every single week. 
Now, maybe they're not as high as they used to be, but they've been steady for years. Steady to the point, uh, the president of the CW, I believe his name is Mark Pedowitz, if I'm not mistaken, um, he has basically said, we're going to keep making the show for as long as they want to make it. You know, no rules, no restrictions, you guys keep going. They've got a solid performer that they can use to launch other shows, and that's a great thing for a network to have, a show that can run 13 years and still have its fan base. Now, should it happen? Well, Supernatural has a history of doing meta-episodes, episodes that uh, sometimes are very self-referential and kind of like maybe you get one funny episode out of a, a TV series. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember uh, years ago on House MD, there was the one episode where there was a bunch of dream sequences and, you know, House uh, was fighting zombies with a, a zombie shotgun cane and it was hilarious, but they can't do that kind of thing every season because it's a serious show. Supernatural usually takes once a season to do something that wacky and and they've even gone as far as having uh, the main characters get sucked into a universe where Supernatural is a TV show. And they, they end up replacing their themselves in this alternate universe uh, who are the actors who play on Supernatural surrounded by the other actors who are on Supernatural. However, a real evil from their universe slipped in with them. So they're trying to chase around these... Uh, these evil supernatural bad guys while everybody thinks that, you know, they've been doing the show too long and they finally lost their minds. Uh, it's pretty funny, and uh, most shows couldn't pull it off, but Supernatural does that on a yearly basis. So I'm going to say, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think it's going to be absolutely hilarious, and uh, if you think that it's silly, you probably haven't been watching the show and probably shouldn't be making that judgment. And, and I think that applies to a lot of things. Next up, who'd win in a fight, Luke Cage or Iron Fist? Hmm, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to go with Luke Cage. I mean, just just based on the fact that over time, I mean, Iron Fist, you know, he, he's incredibly strong, but, you know, you can't break Luke Cage's skin. I feel like, yeah, you could knock him down, but you'll never be able to take him out. Luke Cage is always going to come out on top. Uh, out of that same email, who do you think is stronger, Spider-Man or Jessica Jones? I've got to go with Spider-Man only because he has the proportionate strength of a spider. And while Jessica Jones is certainly very strong, uh, nothing I've seen in the TV show or the comic books uh, leads me to believe she's stronger than Spider-Man. Of course, there's never, I don't recall seeing anything that would be a direct correlation. Uh, so I could be completely wrong there. Who's funnier, Deadpool or Spider-Man? Um, definitely Deadpool, um, only because he's an idiot, like a lot of people I know. Are the Star Wars prequels really that bad? Yeah, they kind of are. It's three movies we didn't need to see, followed by... I'm sorry, two movies we didn't need to see, followed by one movie that was actually pretty decent and reframes the entire franchise. So when you get to The Revenge of the Sith, suddenly Star Wars is no longer about Luke Skywalker and all this. You realize the entire series is the rise, fall, and redemption of Anakin Skywalker. All six movies. Uh... That was definitely worth it, but I think the uh, first two could have been condensed into one movie or uh, maybe a cartoon or something because they sucked. Uh, was Guardians good, 2 as good as you thought it would be? Yes, it absolutely was. Uh, Guardians 2 was fantastic. It improved on the original in almost every way. Uh, the only drawback I would say from the movie is it did also have the same faults as the, regu the the original movie, the first one. And that is that the, the build-up, the introduction, and everything, the first two acts were amazing and well-written. In both movies, the third act, I don't want to say falls apart because that's not fair, because it doesn't, but it, it kind of loses its cohesiveness. The third act of both films is not as good as the previous two acts. But you can say that about a lot of movies, and if that's the worst thing you can say about a movie... Um, you're still probably doing pretty good on CinemaScore. 
Moving on to the next email. Oh, well, this seems like it's going to be pretty obvious who's this from, who this is from, but maybe I'm, I'm wrong. No, no, I'm wrong. Okay. Um, this is not one that I was expecting. So, um, Dr. Who question for you, Dr. Hugh. What Doctor Companion combo would you like to see that would be impossible in reality? Examples. War Doctor and Sarah Jane, 11th Doctor, Ian and Barbara, 5th Doctor and Rose. Hmm. I would say we would start with the 8th Doctor because he's always going to be my favorite. I would say 8th uh, Doctor and Rose would be interesting because I feel like 10th Doctor and Rose was kind of modeled after him and uh, Charlie Pollard from the... Uh, the Big Finish audios anyway. Uh, but if we're going to talk about my all-time favorites, I mean, 8th Doctor and Sarah Jane, come on. Or 8th Eighth Doctor and Nyssa, even. I mean, those would be fantastic combinations, and I would love to see those. Uh, that's a great question. Thank you. And finally, the last email I have. What's Paul really like? He's a big, cuddly teddy bear. Uh, whatever happened to Jack? Um, well, I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, I saw him last year at Think Geek, and then, I mean, I don't know, I, maybe he swiped right when he should have swiped left on Tinder, and who knows where he is now. Uh, how did someone as nice as Hugh end up with a friend like Paul? He seems like a jerk. I swear I did not write this. Um, no, come on. We're, we all have good and bad qualities, and we all play characters on the show. So Paul really isn't that bad, uh, as bad as he seems like he is. He's paying me to say that. Did you start Blue because you guys are breaking up? Absolutely not. Uh, the whole idea behind Geek Pod Blue was that uh, we can only get together a, a couple times a month, and sometimes we're doing other things, other shows, things like that. Uh, I was always frustrated by the fact that I'd get the last three news items uh, from the, the last two days into the show, and I thought we should, all, we, we should get out there more often with news, do something. Just posting stuff to Facebook seems very impersonal. I mean, I do that, and I just see a news thing. I click three buttons, and it's posted to Facebook. There's no effort there at all. Um, no, the, the we actually want to do two shows, Geek Pod Blue and Geek Pod Gold. Paul is working on gold right now. Um, he's got a lot of stuff on his plate, so it's taken a little longer. Um, certainly, it has nothing to do with slacking. Um, uh, but we're going to take two completely different approaches to this. Um, I'm also using Blue as a chance to expand myself and try to find out who I can be as a podcast personality, you know, what I want to be. I'm almost thinking of Geek Pod Blue as more of a variety show and, and maybe not just the the quick news segment that I thought. I'm having a good time, and I don't know what it's going to turn into, but I, we're going to see where, where it goes. But absolutely, definitely, Geek Pod is not anywhere near even close to breaking up. That is never going to happen. Will Paul come to my birthday party? I will ask. You'll probably regret it. Didn't I just see you hanging around a little kid's soccer game? Should I have alerted the authorities? No, my daughter Avery plays soccer, uh, so that's normal. Every single Saturday at 9 a.m., uh, I am up at the school, and uh, we're watching her play her soccer game, so no need to worry about that. Is there any money in podcasting? For everybody else, there appears to be. Do you even comics, bro? Uh, I comics more than Paul, that's for sure. Um, absolutely, I have some long boxes in the basement, and I have been reading comics since I was a little kid, so um, I think I definitely fall into that category of comicsing, bro. And finally, wasn't Laura supposed to get her own show? Oof. Um, Laura was supposed to get her own show. She did do an episode of that. Uh, she had a fantastic guest, and she tried really hard at that. I just, I'm just, i not sure her heart is in it. She is much better working behind the scenes, uh, producing things, uh, trying to 
to make the show better. I mean, that's really where she shines. And I, we kind of felt that, you know, in, in all honesty, we kind of pushed her toward doing that Girls Who Rock because when we were at uh, uh, Nickel City Comic Con last year, uh, me and Chen said, you know what, there needs to be more girls in podcasting. And he said to her, you know, you need to do your own podcast. And so we kind of thought, hey, Ming Chen told us to do something, so we're going to do it. So we really wanted to uh, have her do her own podcast. And, you know, some, not everybody's comfortable with this being behind the mic. Not everybody can just talk incessantly and love the sound of their own voice. It takes a very special kind of person to be able to talk to themselves <laughs> like this at length with notes and stuff. Uh, I'm certainly, you know, if she ever wants to uh, jump in the ring again, we'd absolutely uh, help her. We'd love to see her give it a try. I think for the time being, though, I, we're, we're going to hold off on that until Laura says she wants to continue it. Um, and on that note, that is the end of the Geek Pod Letters segment. Now, make sure if you have questions that you want me to answer, send them to geekpodblue at gmail.com or you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, though I would suggest not doing that because the whole idea of this is I don't see the questions beforehand and if you send them to me on Twitter, I am going to see the questions beforehand. There's really no way around it. Uh, but if you send them to me an email, I can just open them up in order and like I said, there are nothing's off limits. You know, you want to ask anything, go for it. I'll do my best. Uh, if nothing else, we'll see how well I can uh, think on my feet. Or we'll see how badly I can crash and burn. Now that's going to wrap things up for this week. Make sure you tune in next time when I will tell you about the time I testified before Congress about how the president pressured me not to start the letter segment on the podcast. Till then, tuck and roll, kids. GeekPod Blue is a GeekPod Network production. Executive producers Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Concept created by Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Intro is Opportunity by Jameis Breed. Closing is Bucket by Jameis Breed. Both licensed for use by Dennis Johnston. Want to help the show? Leave a five-star rating on iTunes. GeekPod can be reached at contribute at geekpod.com or send us a tweet at geekpod. That's G33KPOD. You can also find GeekPod on Facebook and Instagram. G33KPOD. That's G33KPOD.